0: My name is Ali. I'm a doctor turned YouTuber. I'm Taymor. I'm a data scientist turned startup founder. We're two brothers living in London and you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we talk about life,
1: happiness and the human condition.
0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of
1: Not Overthinking. Taymor, how are you doing today? Not doing too badly. You know, it's relatively early in the morning. It's like half eight or something. My morning... Have I talked about this before? Morning poo? Yeah. No, I don't think you have. Okay. It's been at least a few years. Basically my morning poo is like a full 30 to 45 minute ordeal where like okay I'll just leave it there but yeah it's kind of it's kind of annoying can I ask a question what? how much of this or
0: like would it still be a 30 to 45 minute ordeal if you didn't take your phone in with you yeah genuinely yeah really for sure okay yeah. what are the problems I mean there's just a lot I mean feel free to go into it in 6 months from now but like <laughs> <laughs> if you think this is too personal
1: no basically like it's it's kind of a multi-stage thing yeah there's like a few, dif- there's like three, it's like a three acts play. Okay. And so like, yeah, I could get up between the acts, but then I'll just have to go back to the toilet. And so I like, I know it's coming. And so I just like sit there. But I think the real, the real challenge is like, depending on the day, I might just like scroll Twitter or I might like do something better, like read Kindle or something like that, or, you know, get going through emails or, yeah. or whatever. Um, so it's a bit of like a test of, a test of willpower. Of like, do I want to just like scroll, scroll various feeds? some point I get to LinkedIn feed. Like I, I, I think oh, wow. I, I think I hit that LinkedIn bad. this morning. Yeah. My goodness. Um. So that yeah, that's my, that's what I have to say about that. Have you have you come across an app called One Sec? Have I told you about this? Uh, it's like stops. It like makes force you to pause before you go on Twitter. Yeah.
0: It's, re- it's really good. If anyone's listening to this and you have an issue with just randomly going on Twitter or Instagram or YouTube or TikTok or other such apps, you can download an app on iOS called OneSec, O-N-E-S-E-C. In fact, I actually reached out to the guy on Twitter and we've got a little discount code if you look in the show notes, lol. But basically what it does is that it, it, it takes a little bit of time. It takes about 30 seconds to set up because it's effectively an Apple automation hmm. where the instant you open uh, an offending app like Twitter or Instagram or YouTube, it kind of says, take a deep breath. Yeah. <sighs> And then you have to wait three seconds and it says, do you still want to go on Twitter? And then you've got the option of going on Twitter, but it it also lets you select like apps. Like I've got Kindle and Audible as being the good apps that I'm recommended to click on. And often I find that like when I find myself on Twitter, it's just because my muscle memory has brought me there. Mm. And that three second pause of just actually asking myself, do I really want to be here? Uh, Has made me... Apparently, in the last week, closed Twitter 85 times and really? saved 10 hours of my life according going oh to the God. stats on this app. <laughs> so, like, this is the ultimate, the ultimate productivity hack. One sec. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll try that. I feel would like recommend.
1: I did try this a while ago. I think another game changer would be if, like, when you unlock your phone, you can just make it default to an app like Kindle rather than default to your app's screen or whatever. Mm. I think that would be quite useful. Maybe there's an automation for that. I'm sure there is. I
0: mean, even if you did, you would then muscle memory immediately to going to the home screen so it would become almost yeah. irrelevant anyway that's me how are you doing i'm doing all right um spent last week surfing in morocco
1: oh yeah how was that
0: it was really good it was really good i was, I was total beginner we um went to this surfing camp for about five days four days of lessons with our instructor tofik in a place called a in morocco um and yeah i was sick by kind of halfway through day one i was catching waves and standing up and stuff nice by day two i was able to sort of roughly hold my balance and catch a few decent waves and then day three we were like we, we ventured out into the hard into the quote green waves oh yeah and didn't get a single thing but like wait, what do you mean so he, so essentially with surfing there's like white water and then there's green water okay the white water is when the wave is crested and it becomes white basically okay but yeah. before then if you imagine a wave it's just like you know like if yeah, you go yeah, deep yeah. out into the ocean it's like now, if you're a pro surfer, you can find a big wave, which is still green, and oh. like catch it and start riding the wave while it's still green. Got it. Whereas if you're a noob, you can so only what makes really... It,
1: what makes it difficult? The thing
0: that makes it uh, the thing that makes it difficult to catch a wave generally is the fact that you have to be kind of paddling faster, so, sort of similar speed to the wave as the wave approaches you. Oh, okay. Then there is this moment of like surge where you have to f- kind of feel the speed of the board underneath you. Mm-hmm. And then you have to stand up in that time. Okay. Um, that's the the generally difficult thing about surfing but with green waves it's harder because the wave has a lot less power at that at that stage of it before it's crested and so you have to like your paddling has to be super strong to be able to grab the wave while it has low power and you have to know the exact moment to stand up so that you can appropriately ride the wave yeah um but yeah it's fun And actually, like, a major faff is actually just paddling out there.
1: Yeah, dude, surfing looks like the biggest faff in the world. Like, you spend, like, 90% of the time paddling, dragging your board up and down the beach. Yeah, it's like like playing
0: tennis with somebody who doesn't know how to play tennis. You spend half the time collecting the balls. But, like, with surfing, it's even harder because it's like you're going up the beach and you've got these waves that are just, like, destroying you as they come along. (laughs) And you're like, right, I just need to get through this next one. And then it's like you take one step forward and you literally get buffeted back three (laughs) steps by the next wave that comes along. It's like, oh, crap, there's another one. Now I'm six steps back. So So what's
1: what's the appeal of surfing? it um, seems so like it's it's quite nice it it, okay. it makes you,
0: it makes you one with nature that is nice yeah and it's a good like communal activity if you're doing it with friends and i think the that feeling of riding a wave and balancing and sort of like it yeah, that almost must be, makes you feel like a waterbender
1: yeah that must be like super nice but again it's like five percent of the whole time you're spending isn't it or less yeah. but that's fine man that's fine well wow. that's, that's what the sofa dudes do, to do. It's about patience and stuff.
0: Exactly. It's about serenity. It's about like being one with nature. It's about being in the present moment.
1: Okay. So you liked it. I liked it. I want to do it again. I would definitely do it again.
0: Yeah. I I would, I want to organize like a group surfing trip because I think it's such a hack to just be able to say, I want to like, I've got this long list of things I want to do on my, uh, like to do list, but it's such a hack being just being able to find an all inclusive camp where like, yeah, you know, they deal with your airport transfers, your accommodation, the food, give they give they they give you a packed lunch for when you're thingy. they're like have the instructors they drive you out to the places like oh so
1: it's a group of people
0: uh yeah so we had like two four people in our group so which okay. were and they sort of put you into groups of similar levels yeah but then often surfing is a fairly individual activity in that like you're catching waves individually rather yeah, than yeah
1: yeah as a collective but no would, would recommend what's what are the vibes of morocco in general
0: um in the place that we were in it was a place called Tiger Zoo. it was like super nice like, super chill. Uh, I mean, the place we were in was, like, really cool. Surf Morocco, if anyone's looking. Um, yeah, it, it was sort of this uh, kind of hotel by the beach thing. So, you could see the sea out of your thingy, out of your window. It had an infinity pool. Nice. The vi- it had a little hammock. It, w- it was very much sort of lanterns and hammocks kind of vibe. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas apparently if you go to Marrakesh, it's very much like hustly bustly people trying to sell you stuff every five yeah, seconds. Yeah, that's good stuff. So that was me last week. And then this week it's just been just a load of work stuff and yeah, working on the final draft for the first draft of the final chapter of the book, mm. which is all about purpose and meaning of life kind of stuff. So you've done the first draft of the rest of the book? Yes. Nice. Yeah. It's making progress. I mean, the first draft is really, really, really bad of the rest of the book, but like, Apparently, you've
1: just got to trust the process, trust the editors. Yeah, and hopefully it'll get better over time. So are you happy with the first draft for the rest of it? No, <laughs> it's it's really bad. Um, but like, is yeah. it the right first draft that you can then edit, or do you still feel like you might be off base? Um, it it is better than nothing.
0: Okay, I think like the groundwork is laid, and now it's the next six months is just about refining
1: and editing and adding more good stuff and yeah. removing all the crap stuff and that kind of vibe. Yeah, nice man. Yeah. Yeah, the surfing camp thing sounds good. I've wanted to do that kind of thing for a while of like go on a retreat where you learn some new activity like badminton or surfing. Uh, yeah, actually a friend of mine has been on a surfing camp as well a couple of years ago. I remember he, told, he he mentioned it and it sounded like a good idea. Yeah,
0: it's just it's a total no-brainer. Like this is one thing I want, I want to do more of basically blocking out holidays in advance and booking kind of curated activities in that time. Yeah. Because otherwise it's like, oh, I really want to learn to surf, but like immediately it seems like a faff.
1: Yeah, dude. Yeah, <laughs> even like when, to, when I just like think about it, I'm like, oh my god! Like renting equipment, wetsuit. Just putting a wetsuit on. Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. I mean, when you're putting it on with four other people who are all struggling as well, then it becomes yeah. a more fun experience. But yeah, no, I think the all-inclusive camp is just is the ultimate. Um, I've I've never really tried a package holiday, but I yeah, I I, I wonder if that's the next like because yeah. because organizing holidays
1: is also a faff um well weren't you big on going on a cruise you haven't done that yet i haven't done the cruise thing yet. i mean like COVID put a stop to that yeah and yeah. yeah yeah i was having dinner with some people a few days ago and they were advocating for cruises as a as a concept and as, I remember a, as look, a place to work no as just like a good holiday format mm.
0: yeah apparently it's really good for families because then there's something for everyone to do apparently whereas allegedly on sightseeing holidays with the family it's like inevitably you're going to get like clashes of people not wanting to do the sightseeing yeah so the cruise feel, like I've
1: I've heard from my friends who enjoy cruises, it's like great for collective plus individualism. <laughs> right, kind of yeah, ones. yeah, yeah. I uh-huh. wanted to give a little update from one of our recent episodes. We did an episode um, where we talked about a bunch of things, but also about a book called The Case Against the Sexual Revolution. And we got an email from a listener a couple of, couple of days ago about it. Uh, and the email was basically saying listen it was a woman i think maybe like late 20s early 30s i think and it was basically saying like you know like the episode she like the ideas and stuff like really resonated with her and when she was in her maybe maybe i'll just like read it out like read out some little snippets all right so she says, this entire concept around sexual liberty for women and feminism and the sexual liberation has been fascinating for me a lot lately, has been fascinating me a lot lately, along with the whole, uh, along the role and definition of modern masculinity and how that fits in with what seems to be the almost disparate role of femininity. I totally agree with the sentiment of the book. The sexual revolution left women worse off. The one phrase, we've smoothly transitioned from one form of feminine subservience to another, but pretend this one is liberation, completely hit home. I think a drastic shift away from the status quo was necessary 60 years ago, but it hasn't evolved since then. And th- and that's what I think needs to change and what needs to evolve. And I think you're right. It feels like we are at peak or probably even moving past peak liberal sexuality and socially swinging back to more conservative ideals around it. Uh, like Louise, in my early 20s, I would have fought for liberal values and my right to be able to emulate men, uh, which is crazy because I'm not a man. Uh, but somehow I believe that that was a morally right course of action for society, even though we have such different needs. Men and women are different, and that's beautiful. That's what makes intergender friendships, for example, so interesting because of the the diversity of experience. Now, in my late 20s, I would not consider myself a feminist by the sense that it it has come to signify. What's so frustrating uh, is that, like, yeah, in in her circles, it seems like she's kind of turned into this poster girl for feminism, and she kind of seems to go along with it and just, like, delivers the party line. Um, But she says, perhaps it's time to say what I suspect many women are feeling. So, yeah, I think, like... Honestly, from talk- like even from talking to friends about this, the ge- general sense I get from like women I've spoken to about this is like, damn, yeah, I think, yeah, I I, I <laughs> I've I've been thinking that that same thing, yeah. But like, you can't really say it, <laughs> like, mm. you can't really talk about this. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 in the process of reading the book. I'm
0: interviewing Louise Perry on the pod on the, on the deep dive, deep dive with Ali Abdal podcast uh, in I think two weeks time, so that should be fun. Nice.
1: Yeah, that'll be sick. Yeah,
0: it's gonna be good. Um, I feel like I had something to talk about this week, something I've been thinking about. One thing I've been thinking about is like, when is enough enough, <laughs>
1: right? Oh my god, man,
0: yeah, yeah. It's like this all come, comes down to what am I doing with my life, or all, all all of those things which I have yet have, have yet to figure out. But I've been rereading um, the book. It doesn't have to be crazy at work mm. by the Basecamp Gang, the Basecamp Duo, yeah. Jason Fried and DHH, and a lot of it like really vibes with me. I'm just like, yeah, this is good stuff. Okay. Their, their whole like um you know for context people uh, for the un- potentially unfamiliar listeners a base is this software company based in well remote um and they are very outspoken somewhat outspoken on the internet about building a calm company company culture and how they do things differently and you know they've written this book it doesn't have to be crazy at work which is all about how like you know chasing growth for the sake of growth's sake is just a bit stupid and why not just try and build a calm company why not try and just have happy customers and at least, you know and be profitable rather than thinking things like we need to grow 10% quarter and quarter, all of that jazz. Um, their whole philosophy is that apparently they don't have any goals. Um, apparently in the summer, everyone in the, all 50 people of their team take Fridays off. So they only work 32 hour weeks and they're like, life is so much more fun when you don't have goals, when you do short-term planning, when you just focus on kind of, yeah, basically appreciating that you have enough when it comes to growing a company. But I guess kind of by analogy, by extension, that's you know a lot of life things as well. Whereas by default, I think society and capitalism and ego and stuff teaches us we need to strive for more and more, whether it's more money for our business or more grades for our med school exams or more accolades for whatever. And was, I've just been thinking a lot around like, you know, the, the, a lot of people who I really admire um, seem to have defined and or seem to have figured out that they actually do have enough and mm. they don't need to strive for, quote, selfish goals anymore. And they can just strive towards being of utility in the world or, I don't know, having impact with their careers or, you know, you know, things like that. Yeah.
1: I think the thing about the Basecamp, guys, is like it de- it really just depends on what you care about. Like it sounds like, ba- you know, Basecamp's a great profitable business. That's that's good for them. Like some people, some people want to do that. Friggin' Elon Musk is not trying to start like a nice profitable business so he can chill out and work four days a week. He's trying to get people to Mars and shit like this. And like, that doesn't, that doesn't happen on like four days a week. And that doesn't happen with this mindset. Like, it just depends on, it depends on what you care about. Like if you're Elon Musk and, and you care about certain things, then like you try and do those things basically. Mm. (laughs) Like, I, I don't know, maybe I haven't read the book, but the general vibe I get is that like the base, the base camp guys are basically present things as if there's two options. There's like you know, start, start a business to try and like make loads of money for yourself or there's like, you know, do their, their thing of like chilling out a bit and caring more about a calm life and and stuff like this. So I think like, it depends on what you care about. Like it's, you know, it's very hard to imagine like, again, an example, like Elon Musk taking that approach because I just, I mean, yeah, but I I think he's, I think he's having, he's probably having a blast. Like he's doing what he loves. Mm. Although he does say in
0: interviews, you know, we did, we did a deep dive into him for like a, a video that he wouldn't recommend his life to anyone because yeah, it be, seems to be somewhat miserable. But anyway, um, I think it's, it's not necessarily, I think the question isn't like, what do I want the goals and KPIs of my business to be? In Elon Musk's case, it's like, let's get people to Mars. And therefore, that's like a
1: clear. Yeah. I think mission. the question is like, what do you care about? Mm. And I think like making number go up yeah. of like dollars in some kind of bank account. So that seems to be like not a not enough of a thing to care about. Hmm. Or that can't be the only thing basically. Or I don't know, maybe it can like I think it's definitely a big motivator for a lot of people, right? Like Yeah, I think I, I think a big part of it is like where are you on Maslow's
0: hierarchy? If money is a problem, then making a dollar number go up is obviously like the thing that you have to optimize for. I think for most of the people I speak to these days on like interviews and podcasts and like other creators and stuff, once they have quote made it, and the number has gone sufficiently up that like their lifestyle is covered and they've got some savings. At that point, the question is like, what do you do next? Mm. And it's like, do I continue to make number go up? Or do I decide that actually I want a chill life and I just want to keep the number fairly static so I can just continue to live my chill life? Do I want to kind of optimize for lifestyle where I spend more time with the wife and kids kind of vibes? Um,
1: right. And what do you think makes people like... It seems like a bunch of people want the chill life, but they they're not living it and they feel like locked in to try to make numbers go up. Is that the case or I feel like this massively depends on the
0: kind of environment that you've been brought up in as it were, but like certainly amongst sort of liberal, highly educated people in the West that I mostly hang out with. It is almost, it's almost axiomatic that like, you know, if you're not growing, you're declining. There is always a chase for number go up. And that's in a way like, like for example, if you're working at any job, the, the, the general trend is like, we need to make numbers go up. We need to get promoted. We need to strive for that next rung of the ladder. And in a way it takes like the the people who I know who seem to have broken out of this rat race of number go up Yeah, are very like kind of, zens meditative like those sorts of people that uh, it's it's, it feels as if they have really gone against the grain because the grain is pushing everyone to make numbers go up whatever those numbers might be
1: i feel like in my group of among the people i know if someone just decided to like have a chill life of like you know working like enough and doing the things they'd like and stuff like that that would actually be like a high status thing to do like other other people would be like damn these you know he's he's got it figured out like he's got a good thing man yeah it's not it's not that like but other still, people would feel like oh no, I, numbers aren't coming but
0: i i don't think it's explicitly that it's it's not explicitly the level of like like for example the reason i am striving for numbers go up is not my friends will think i'm low status if i don't or my, my friends will think i'm high status if i do it's like something sort of more i think a level more subconscious or within like okay, yeah. the societal yeah yeah yeah. river flowing of like numbers yeah to yeah, i agree i agree
1: there is that there is that societal river
0: and so i guess what i'm trying to figure out is like at what point does one break free from this at what point are the reasons to make number go up actually just bullshit reasons because right now i've i've got some reasons in my mind to make numbers go up one of those reasons is security like financial security one yeah. of those reasons is like oh, uh, you know it's all well and good me saying, you know, I've got enough right now, but like, what if a few years from now when I've, when I've got a family and kids and a mortgage, I'll be like, oh damn, like, you know, that time, th- th- those 15 minutes of fame that I had back in like 2018 to yeah, 2022, I, I really should have milked that a little bit more rather yeah. than thinking, you know what? I just want to chill life and play video games. Like, (laughs) like right now, I can't afford to send my kids to the school that I want to send them to because I was like optimizing for playing video games when I was 29. (laughs) Kind of, and and like, you know, it's it seems a bit absurd, but like, that feels like a Mm. good reason. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, numbers need to continue going up. Yeah. Or things like, what if I suddenly lost everything? What if I suddenly got cancelled because of something I said on this podcast? Yeah. Therefore YouTube channel goes to zero, course courses go to zero. Yeah. Shit. Suddenly we've got this whole team of people to support. Therefore, numbers need to go up to be able to even sustain the business. And yeah. it's like, but I feel like there is a point at which like actually sort of exploring those reasons why numbers need to yeah. go up becomes not. And I and, and I and I think there's a third one. And that third one is just just that it feels it feels like an inherent good almost <laughs> yeah. that like, Oh, of course you want your business to be growing. Of course you want numbers to be going up. Of course you want to be, become more successful over time and like, yeah, upgrade your lifestyle. And like, it, it, like w- I feel like when I, when I start naming those things, it starts to sort of, you know, the emperor starts to have no clothes, Yeah. but like, otherwise it just feels, like, Oh, of course you, you know, life is about making progress. Yeah. I don't know, man.
1: Yeah. I get what you mean about wanting like the future financial security and not wanting to be in a position where like 10 years from now you're like, damn, I should have like, Wish I had more numbers, man. Yeah. <laughs> like shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I I definitely have that as well. And like, yeah, to to whatever extent I care about making money, it's basically like it's basically that of like, oh yeah, like future me, if I have like kids and stuff, like you know, I'd probably want some money. Yeah, it'll be nice to take
0: the kids to a surfing camp and not
1: have to like be like, oh my god, this is breaking the bank kind of vibes i think there's just like too much of a more is better like mentality like even even when you think about things like oh man i'd want to like send my kids to some like fancy private school or something and so i need money even that is like i mean that's something where like you know education on on paper is is something that's like you know far a bit a bit further removed from money it's not like it's not like you're saying oh i want to like buy my kids the latest nintendo (laughs) right you are not. it's not like it's not like that it's like hey i want i want them to have a good education but i think even that is just like probably very tenuous if if i if i were to think about like what would be like the best education i think it would look a lot more like homeschooling or some like you know flexible schooling setup i don't think it would look like case in my kids a fucking boarding school um no but either way like for, for example homeschooling still requires some numbers compared to it, it, re- it requires some numbers but again like you know if you, if you go back like i don't know 100 years or something like you don't need a massive amount of money to homeschool your kids like you, you just need to you need to be like i guess you need to be happy to opt out of like the race for like bigger yeah. house etc cetera, etc cetera. like i think there's just this it all comes down to i think like
0: opting out of the race and at what point you do that
1: yeah i think i think just the, the the trap is that like when you imagine the good life you imagine the material things because it's hard to imagine the immaterial things right like yeah. You can't really imagine just like just like vibing. I mean there's a guy called Simon Sarris on Twitter. I think he's the anecdote. he he's the antidote to all of this. Do you follow oh, Simon Sarris? No. Ah oh, dude, you've got to follow Simon Simon Sarris is Okay, so Simon Sarris. You're Saris, saying basically.
0: that as if I've like personally affronted you by not following. I would have Simon. thought you would
1: definitely be following Simon Sarris, dude. I would have thought you'd have sent
0: me his thing long I ago. I feel like
1: I've probably You're like doing Ramona podcast him on
0: the pod. for three bloody years and I've not never I'd heard up, of Simon Sarris. You have, Saris. mate. We've we've like we've done never, a whole. We've, we've done, not
1: talked about Simon Sarris. We've done before. whole episodes on his blog post, mate. No, wait, wait, what? <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> he has a blog post about like yeah, we've done it, man. The most precious resources agency. We did a podcast on this. Did we? Yeah, dude. When? Last year. Send me the link to this blog post if you've got it to hand. Okay, so Simon Saris, basically, he is—he's like the—he's like the patron saint of trad Twitter. Basically, he's like. Right. <laughs> so he's a he's a tech guy. He works. Okay, so he works on a JavaScript library for building interactive diagrams. That's called GoJS.
0: Oh, what is this
1: guy? <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah. Well, you know him because of his JavaScript library. No, no, no library. but I, I, know, I know because you mentioned him. <laughs> his, like, JavaScript library. Oh, okay, right. So like, you know. He's is, he is a, he a guy who works in tech. He uh, works out or like runs this JavaScript library um, for building interactive diagrams. Extremely niche, ex- like very technical niche thing yep. that's like, you know, that's what he does. And then he also, I mean, he has a sub stack where he writes posts occasionally, but his, his main contribution to the world is his family photos. Every, uh, you know, about twice a week, Simon Saras drops some new family pictures and it'll be about his wholesome trad life in New Hampshire. Simon Saras lives in this like lives in New Hampshire which is kind of like countryside vibes in the US. He like lives, I don't know, pretty close to where he grew up. He hasn't like really left his area much. Um he a few years ago he, he bought this like house thing, like a building, like nothing, like nothing fancy, mm. just literally like a house with like nothing really going on inside. And he and his wife, I guess, have just like been slowly working on it over the, over the years. Um, they, yeah, they're always like building something. Like, I think he's building a goose house right now. Like, you know, just like building stuff in the yard. And like, he has this little kid who's really cute. And so like, on twitter he posts like yeah once or twice a week he'll drop a few family photos just looking like the most like wholesome like trad lifestyle and like everyone just like loves this shit and so like he i think he's he seems to be someone who has chosen that and so he's like so he's working on the
0: javascript library probably just hacking away at it and sort of in his working hours working from home from his laptop or whatever yeah and just spending the rest of the time with the wife and kids building stuff around the house and taking family photos and going for walks in the wilderness and i mean yeah
1: that's that's the sense i have i mean let me just see if i can find
0: rather than the vibe of like hey i'm a software developer i built this library let me go kind of try and build the next startup or get a
1: million dollar job at facebook or whatever some of his blog posts are more like personal journaly type than others so he has one called where to live he says dear friends i'm a provincial person i have lived in new hampshire for almost my whole life a few thousand feet from the hospital where i was born sometimes i tell people i've never been to america for i've never seen chicago or la or houston or anywhere outside of new england really i haven't even gone around to visiting new york city though it's only a four-hour drive away when i have means to travel i cross the atlantic mostly though i have been to california today i live 10 miles from my birthplace as a web developer, I've foregone some opportunity in order to stay here, where I'm in sort of a professional solitary confinement. It's hard to know if it's, if it's been the right move professionally, intellectually, etc. If it weren't for Twitter and Hacker News, I might go crazy. So I am deeply thankful for them making my home professionally bearable. And while I love New Hampshire, I'm not sure it loves me, and I can never find the words I would need to justify over every other place. So this is not opposed pers- persuading anyone to come here. One reason I stay in New Hampshire, an ideal to me is to live outside the city when young, try to have a home, workshop, possessions you can have the the space to accumulate raw materials and tools and knowledge learn through the work of your hands have a place to make babies and give them the materials they need to create to instead of chasing nightlife use your time to learn what it is what it is you really like to build you can visit the city often of course just not live inside it then when you're older and your kids are grown you part with your possessions easily perhaps giving your kids a hand starting their own homes in the process but then it is onerous to maintain things and you should want to be more focused 10 i.e like 10 hobbies instead of 100 perhaps then you could easily move into a small part of the city of course the careerism trade-off is clear as long as your eyes are open to what you're trading off he seems to be suggesting that like actually when you're young you know have a have a place in the countryside where you can build stuff Mm. and then when you're old and can't maintain it all anymore then move to like a small part of the city any place you live should help you further your dreams you should not live out your 20s as a single person in rural maine if you wish if you wish to start a family you should not live in a shoebox in nyc if you wish to learn timber framing beyond taking your life's goals seriously and orienting where you live around them there are probably a number of places you could be perfectly happy what matters more than finding the most perfect location is what you do when you get there most people, many people seem to live in such a way that if they were dropped off in a different house in a different suburb of a different state, they almost wouldn't notice as long as their house had tv and internet and the gps still led them to starbucks. The really important thing isn't where you live exactly but being embodied in your living regardless of where you are. But yeah basically like he's always just kind of lived lived around the same place and is, it seems to be living the like homesteading life and he's really happy with it like it doesn't seem like he thinks he's foregoing too much like clearly like he's professionally isolated right like no one around him works in tech and stuff and he appreciates twitter and hacker news to be able to like try to tech people and then feel some sense of like professional community like clearly that's a trade-off for him but the things that you the things that you think of like oh if i want to give my family a good life i need like all this money for like private schools and you know i want to be able to take them on surf camps and things like this I imagine like Simon Sarris is not thinking this at all. And Simon Sarris you know, seems to spend an awful lot of time with his, with his like kid. They're like building things together all the time, all of this kind of stuff. And so I think like, we're just our, our sense of like what is good and valuable hmm. is very distorted. Cause like his kid's probably having a blast. He hmm. can spend a lot of time outdoors with his parents, building stuff, like doing useful things. Not like, not like sitting in a, you know, sitting in a, in a school room, like with textbooks all day. These kids are very young. I think I probably like below school age anyway. Um, but I imagine these guys would be, be like into some kind of homeschooling or like flexible type of setup. Um, but basically I think, I think it's similar to my mindset of like, you know, coffee is better than water because it's like cost more money or something. And like, if I'm thirsty, I'll feel like, oh fuck, like why would I have water? You know, like. It's not valuable because it doesn't cost money. <laughs> also, I don't know if it's a money thing or a taste thing, but like, I think I've talked about how there is yeah. this weird like. I should like. It's, it's just water. It's just. It's just water. Um. Well, actually, like the water is the thing you need, man. <laughs>
0: yeah. Water is the thing you need. Yeah. That's a way to think about it. There was a good quote that I read read the other day, which is like, don't think about how you can have the good life. Think about how you can have a good life. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's good. Yeah. Because like the good life conjures up all of the materialistic things. But a good life makes you think, oh, actually, yeah, health relationships. It's kind of it. Something to do, someone to love, something to look forward to.
1: Yeah, whenever whenever I think about this, I kind of think that, like... Yeah, I think if you weren't surrounded by people who also seemed like they wanted to make numbers go up and things like that, I think you'd you'd care a lot less. Like, if you were in... No, I think that's very true, yeah. I I find myself, like, really appreciating the sort of
0: the, the impact of kind of a peer group and of, like, kind of an information diet, as it were. Right. In the sense of when I kind of did that fateful interview with Will McCaskill a few weeks ago now... I was like, like, oh, my God, this is sick. Like, this guy doesn't seem to care about, like, numbers going up and only cares about, like, having impact. That's really, really, really cool. And then, like, two days later, I listened to an interview on My First Million with Neil uh, Neil Patel, the SEO marketing chap. And they were talking about, hey, man, so what's your burn rate? And he was like, oh, you know, each month, me and my wife, we spend around $250,000. And they were like, What? each month you spent 250 it was like yeah you know we got a, we got hell we got a cleaner you know we fly private sometimes It's just like you know it's pretty good it's a pretty good lifestyle and they were just like mind blown. <laughs> and just sort of talking about it after that, that point in a very matter of fact way being like yeah you know you know you know we had a 10 million dollar agency and then we decided you know what 10 million is like uh oh, whatever so us build a 100 million dollar agency but then this guy was also like yeah you know i don't really like to talk about money because you know my wife likes to like build schools and like stuff in like rural parts of southeast asia and things like that right. so he also seems to be very like actually cares about, um, impact is it's, it's not like it was a trade-off between making loads of money and being a total bad person versus making no money and being a really good person. It was very much like, Oh, this is just, it seems to be an alternative way to live. And he seemed to be having fun as well. And then I was like, Oh damn, like that sounds cool. (laughs) And uh, essentially I find that like, when I see someone who has got a certain type of lifestyle and I think, okay, that, you know, that's cool. I could, I could see myself doing that. Then that often gets me to, start thinking huh what do they know that i don't like why why are they going for that thing like what have they kind of figured out yeah um and i guess just sort of just thinking about this out loud i was interviewing someone else on the podcast yesterday um samantha clark who is one of the lecturers at the school of life oh, cool. who writes in books about like happiness at work and, and things like that and her, her assessment of like my situation was that basically you need to stop listening to other people and just actually trust yourself yeah about, like, like what do not- you what do you actually want for yourself
1: yeah, I think the general sense I get from these conversations is that you're looking very externally for, like, what you should be doing. Mm. I, I think it's related to what we said on the pod a few weeks ago, where I, I think, yeah, my feeling is like, yeah, you know, every couple of months you'll sit down with uh, <laughs> with your entrepreneur mastermind group or something and everyone will talk about this thing. Uh, but I just don't think that's the way to actually get to an answer. Or like even a Ooh. direction. So I think I think it actually might be. So oh, yeah? the the counter. So I I was
0: chatting to um, the the girlfriend about this the other day, and she was like, you know, like society has this drive towards more ego and stuff, just yeah. always. Um, and apparently, in the world of in the world of like uh, meditation, there is this concept of like even when you're a meditation master, equip master. You still have to do the practice yeah. and you still have to come back to the practice and it, it, and it is the practice and doing it daily, basically that helps you break free of that ego thing. It's not like a one and done type situation. Yeah, yeah. And so her theory was that what if, you know, every couple of weeks to months, you just need to sit down and do a four hour journaling session to base. And that's basically your practice of deciding that actually numbers go up is a bad thing Yeah, or yeah. is not necessarily what I want. And I was like, okay, that's a, that felt like a, a, good, a yeah. good framing of it because it moves it away from there's this thing I need to figure out. And I've not yet figured it out Towards yeah. Actually, you know, <laughs> with the march of capitalism, yeah. I, I actively need to have the conversations in my entrepreneur mastermind or do my four hour journaling session yeah. in a forest or whatever yeah, 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 to, yeah. to, to continue to try and break free from the shackles of the rat race mm. <laughs> rather than it being like a, you know, I just need to be sufficiently enlightened to turn the switch in my mind and yeah, then suddenly yeah, yeah. I've
1: broken free. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's something to the, like sit down and like, just think about it on a on a regular basis, and then like meditate on it. There's a there's a guy who I'm a big fan of, a guy called Prince Khazi bin Mohammed of of Jordan. And in in a couple of like, like, you know, he's sort of like an academic and author and stuff like this. And in a couple of like the interview type, like talks that he's done, he talks about like, how like most people have not ever, ever like broken through the idle mental chatter. Like they think that most people think that the idle mental chatter that's going on in their head. They think that's them. Like, this is me. Like these, these random thoughts that are just coming to my mind. This like chatter in my head. This is me. This is like what existence is and he thinks that like you need to basically like sit down for like one or two days like basically doing nothing see all those thoughts through until they're like until you actually have a clear mind and then and then like maybe you'll start to become a real person <laughs> but like these the the mental chat the mental chatter and idle thoughts that basically drive drive us like 24 7 in his view that this is this is not like who you are like it's uh bit of a not not a psyop but just like a mind virus i guess yeah <laughs> <laughs> that like we think that this we think that these random this is me like these these are these are like my thoughts these are not your thoughts <laughs> this is like random stuff from your information diet if you want to call it that mm. <laughs> so i think yeah that's something i've uh hmm. yeah that kind of resonated like yeah that's nice that seems yeah a, would you be keen on going on a silent meditation retreat at some point yeah i'd be down nice yeah i mean i'm not does he i'm not even sure if it needs to be like a silent meditation retreat you just like go out somewhere and just like not do anything and not talk for like a couple of days yeah you could just but around. like you know when are you gonna make time on your calendar for that essentially yeah i mean just like a weekend trip with lads or something and then you just do nothing but yeah i'm down i, I do think it needs to be done because yeah i do th- i think like i've never really broken past the mental there's a there's a company i've recently uh invested in called uh unplugged Oh, yeah.
0: basically they uh the, their whole business model is, is 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 interesting they go out to random farms in the uk yeah. and negotiate with the farmers to be like can we build a cabin in the woods on your farmland which okay. is disconnected from like all wi-fi and all 3g and all that jazz and we'll give you a rev, a rev share when we airbnb it out And the farmers are like sure because it helps okay, them get yeah. more diversity out of their land <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> broadly and so they've got these cabin in the woods where I, I've, I've booked like a four day sesh in some like august sometime yeah uh where it's just like yeah, they someone someone comes to you. I think the farmer, uh, the farmer and his family like bring you food three three times a day. Mate. And beyond that, like you're supposed to lock your phone away. They give you a little lockbox and a little key, yeah. and they'll give you like some crappy Nokia brick phone if in case of emergencies. Yeah. But you lock your phone away. You're in nature. You've got your kind of food taken care of, and you just need to sit there and like basically yeah. do nothing <laughs> nice. for like three days. Yeah. And yeah. it's all in places that are like close enough to London, but like like far enough away that you feel as if you're in the yeah. middle of nowhere. Yeah um that's great so that'll be that'll be interesting we're gonna, gonna try that out end of august as i i've i've I, I spoke to the the founder of it like four months ago and he was like all right we know we should book you and i was like all right let's look at the calendar nope 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 no it's like six months later i have <laughs> a space in my calendar and i'm like this is this is a bad sign yeah this is, this yeah. is telling <laughs> yeah that sounds cool
1: i'd be yeah. down for something like that
0: nice um maybe one of our future future podcast episodes could be on a little little couple's trip to a cabin in the words me and you mm. you and i
1: us yeah I mean, we wouldn't be allowed to record a podcast on the trip, would we? Or... Yeah, I mean, it's self, fairly self-imposed, so
0: yeah, you can do we like? Yeah, I'm down. All right, we better right. We better, better wrap things up. up. Got to walk over to the studio. By the way, I've been, lov- been loving the whole walking to the studio and back every day. Really? It's How glorious. It? Half an hour, 40 uh, It's minutes? like half an hour, 40-minute walk here. Yeah, yeah. It's sick. Um, and I've been noticing that because of, you know, I'm on a bit of a, a nutrition plan. Like, my weight's actually been, like, steadily going down on the scales as well, Late which time. is, like, the first time in my life I've actually experienced that when you eat fewer calories and move more, yeah. your weight actually goes down. And it's just like, the, I, I, I can't believe this works. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I've so always simple, been skeptical. Yeah. <laughs> People are always like, calories in, calories out. It's like, no, no. That <laughs> yeah. that, the, that just cannot be true. <laughs> but it's, it seems to be. Anyway, we'll talk about that another time. Thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you in the next episode. That's it for another episode of Not Overthinking. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to leave a review for us over at Apple Podcasts. That'll be linked in the video description or in the show notes. And we do often read reviews at the end of each episode if you'd like to hear yours read out. Also, in case you didn't know, we also have a YouTube channel where we post videos of the podcast. So if you'd like to see us, Uh, and not just hear us you can check us out on our youtube channel and feel free to connect with us over at twitter all of the various details including the podcast twitter account and overthinking and our personal twitter accounts will be in the video description and in the show notes thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time